Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. Yeah, we're rounding up those diamond dogs. And you know what we do? We go through every single episode. We talk about what happened. We get a little three-word episode review on the pitch, off the pitch. We break it all down, getting you to the main theme of the episode. And we also sprinkle in a little bit of delightful pub trivia. And then crown the winner, winner of football dinner at the end of every episode. And keep a tally to see who wins the total season. All right, this week we are covering season three, episode four, Big Week the highly anticipated reunion of Ted and Nate. It was an episode packed with fireworks, but not really in the way we thought. Yeah, we were we were talking beforehand. This was not the uh, the kind of head to head clash that I anticipated. But uh, if you want to engage with us, and we and we highly encourage you to do so, we're getting some great questions on and on a, on all of our episodes now. I should say uh, at Pod Underdogs, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, however you choose to use your social medias, we'd love to continue the conversation there. And if you would be so kind, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify to uh, help other people find the show. All right. Good luck trying to sum up this episode in three words, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, I think we went Dan first last time. So, Nick, over to you. I'm proud of this one. I was I was very pleased with my, with my choice here. Left on red. Get it, Dan? Get it? Please. Get no. it? <laughs> no. Your Come rebuttal, on. Your rebuttal, sir? <laughs> yeah, Dan. Oh, I went more with the, the fact of who they were playing this week and the conflict going on. Forged in fire. Wow. All right. Weird that we both went with puns, yet mine was unacceptable by the masses. Hmm. Weird. No, I'm not going there. I put fight or flight. So many times you're ready for conflict and then it pivoted and we went somewhere else. Got a little bit of fight at the end, I guess you could say, but overall, not really what I was kind of expecting out of some of the people. But like I said, uh, a a lot to go through this one. So we'll go ahead and kind of kick it around. Um, So, yeah. Say combined on the pitch, off the pitch week this week. I could not figure out a way uh, as I was writing this script, friends, to... uh, to make these two separate things, it, 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 this whole season's flowing together in a way that uh, is kind of forcing me to kind of go more chronological. So if you're used to the on the pitch, off the pitch, and you like that, I'm sorry, but we're uh, we're doing the best we can here on short turns. They're making it interesting to say the least. So, um, all right, kicking it off. We uh, pick up episode four the morning after the previous episode in Sam's restaurant soft launch party took place. Uh, the first thing we see is a 4 a.m. wake-up call for half-dressed Jamie. Nope, he wasn't half-dressed on the bottom. So uh, <laughs> Half was on the top. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, Jamie did not realize that Roy's offer for extra training was real. With their headlamps on, they take the first step to make Jamie the best player at Richmond again. Uh, love the dialogue. Starting off strong. Yeah. Roy, Roy gets in there. He's banging on the door. He's ringing the doorbell. Let's go, Jamie. It's 4 a.m.? Yeah, we start at 4 a.m. I thought you were joking. How was that a joke? Because it's 4 a.m.? We start at 4, so you could do three workouts a day instead of two. Okay, but I don't think you realize it's 4 a.m. <laughs> it was a, a very good scene. These two on, on screen together, we just cannot get enough of. Absolutely love it. But Roy hits him at the end, Brandon, with, do you want to be better than Zava or not? And that yeah. is the motivation right now. 
big, big motivation for him. Uh, next scene is very interesting. We shift over to Nate's humble apartment. Uh, we see his small green car parked next to his quite luxurious other car. Uh, we see him up early. Aston Martin. <clears throat> yeah. The Allegedly. Other car. Like it's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, next to his Ford Focus. <laughs> I said luxury car. Did I not? Yeah, it's an Aston Martin. It's a. Oh, it's yeah. more than a luxury I car. Think it's a, that's it's an what Aston Martin. I said it's an so. Ideal. Um, here we are. Right. Uh, he's there. He's playing at this table. Uh, tabletop soccer tactics board. It's Sabuto, I believe. Right. Sabuto. Yeah. yeah I Subutio. couldn't think of the word for it. So thank you for saving me on that. Of, of course, we'll get there. Uh, he initially has joy in his eyes when. Uh, this happens uh, when Ted Lasso falls off, but then it kind of hits him, you know, the impact I think that that is going through him and kind of what he he is really feeling about it. Um, obviously, he turns to regret as he places the figure back on the table, has a little smile. Uh, we see in his, his apartment the the game is circled about 12 times as he tries to to, you know, as they build up into what is coming later on uh, with this episode. And uh yeah, second place West Ham, third place Richmond, student versus teacher, betrayer versus the man he betrayed. All these different kind of narratives are are getting there. Uh, but then we head over to Ted's place, where Ted and Sassy are friends with benefits-ing. Ted wakes up to Sassy getting dressed and asks her out on a proper date. She declines and has a good reason to doing so. Dan, a mess. It is a mess. And I did enjoy the fact that they went back and forth on trying to figure out which rom-com was the one that they were referencing or wanting to reference based on the fact that there were multiple versions of this same type of movie. What, what happened in 2011 to cause this? I don't understand. Well, so, I mean, there are years when you got like, hey, here's two movies about Truman Capote. Here's two movies about this same topic. Like, this, there are times when this happens and you play studios against one another. But basically the long and short of it is Ted asked the question about, hey, can we have a date? Sassy says no. He says, why not? And Sassy indicates it's because you're a mess. But she also outlines the fact that she's a mess as well, but she is further down the timeline. She's three years into the future. So it's more of a slight disarray. Slight disarray of sunshine to you, Dan, of course. But I, my favorite part of this is she says, God, no, right away. And Ted says, well, I appreciate you taking the time to consider it. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. Yeah, no, they, they are continuing to just... Uh, just badger and banter back and forth. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's welcomed, right? I think at first, I, you know, I was a little resistant to it, a little bit awkward, but we're getting some good stuff out of, out of these two. So we kick it back. Um, we go then see the end of Jamie's 4am workout. We've been to that park. Uh, we saw where he puked. Yeah. It very real. Where he puked. It was very, great. Very realistic. Um, Roy just, you know, chilling, having like a croissant and a coffee, just hanging out, doing his own thing. Uh, they discuss the merits of Jamie's sleeping attire. Oh, we missed it earlier. He's like, if you don't go, I'm going to start flicking you in the ball sack. <laughs> and that's when he turned away and walked in like, oh, he's not wearing any pants. So uh, it's all over the place. It's cold at the top and hot in the bottom. It's a classic thing, really. Who among us? It's it's like such a little kid thing. Like, <laughs> anyways. Cl climate control. Yeah. I, I hope whatever works for him. Um, hard pivot though. So I, again, I kind of wish we would have gotten to see more of that, but again, they don't probably want to get in the details of running like a technical session with those guys. Remember they're actors first. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of uh, understand why, but it would have been again, to see more of the back and forth between them would have been good, but it seems like Jamie's committed. 
Um, then we got to go over to KJPR. Rebecca visiting Keeley to talk about the West Ham match. She's venting about Rupert's quotes in the press. And we learned that Keeley's delegating a Richmond banter promo shoot to Shandy after she stepped up at the restaurant. Um, then Babs or Barbara. Nick, Barbara. She's, absolutely Babs, by the way. She's a she's a finance person. She's by the book. Uh, comes in, spoils the mood, letting Keely note that the head of the VC firm who is backing her is uh, coming into town. They would like two tickets for Jack. Just good, good, good old Jack coming to if town. If you're backed by a VC firm, you know who's involved in your VC firm. Nah. It's very unrealistic that there would not be some prior knowledge as to who the individuals or who the group are, who the primary individuals that you deal with are related to their investment in your company. That Blind is- faith. Blind faith. <laughs> I so love- I invest my money. I, I love the... Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Brandon Busby Angel Investment Group. <laughs> I, I love the little look that Rebecca gave to, to Keely as she was like, ooh, who's Jack? And then she's like, Come on now. <laughs> Get, come on, pick it up a little bit. Uh, the, the best part of this scene, however, is that uh, ye old Babs is uh, is quite fond of Rebecca. Um, quite fond. Uh, yeah. Is the only person she's nice to the entire episode. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, boss woman respecting boss woman. Uh, a lot of admiration there, which is, is good and, and obviously well earned. Um, so, uh, let's see back at Richmond beard and Roy are trying to figure out how they're going to out strategize Nate for the upcoming match Four or five fake outs, you know, well, Nate's going to be, know that we're thinking about this, but if we know that he's thinking about that, well, what if he knows that we know that he knows that we know, and you're just like, okay, like, yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I guess that one was coming. It's some of beard's best acting in the entire show right here, by the way. Absolutely love this bit. It was fantastic. It was really, yes, written for him. That is his sweet spot. Uh, after four or five fakeouts, they settle on Nate's false nine as the solution to beat Nate, except this would make Zava as facilitator, not necessarily score. And Higgins points out, is Zava going to do it? And then Todd, Todd, Ted walks in. Odd last. A lot going on here. <laughs> Beard. Uh, Roy doesn't think we can beat Nate. Roy. Higgins doesn't think so either. Higgins. Beard said it to me first. And now, Dan, we have the problem. No one thinks they can beat Nate. They're all pointing the finger. Spider-Man meme. <laughs> it's a good timing considering the latest Into the Spider-Verse trailer that we just received. Um, look, they don't have belief. Yet it's really odd because ultimately, like, they are third place in the Premier League table. And so, yes, there is a little bit of the underdog mentality that exists for this team because of where they were to start the season and their rise. But, I mean, the last time we saw a table, they were, you know, had scored a similar number of goals. They had, you know, on points. Yes, Nate's getting a lot of cred, but there's no belief. There's no believe and believe, Nick. No, I know. It's it is a little uh it's a little odd. I, I think the you know, Nate kind of has him right where he wants him, right? Like thinking that he is just this untouchable tactics master and that they could not possibly beat him in a head to head matchup. It has them fighting amongst themselves. And someone pointed out uh that this was a Kind of this, uh, the style of the scene is a direct ripoff from Friends when Mo- they find out that Monica and Chandler are dating. Uh, and I actually went and watched it back, and it's 
it's pretty dead on. So whoever caught that, really well done. But yeah, it's a it's a fantastic little bit of of a little bit of a crack in the armor between the coaches. The coaches are almost always so aligned, right? And they almost present this united front no matter what. And we we know they have different roles, but and they're starting to to fracture just a wee bit here. And that happens kind of throughout the episode too. Hey man, pressure pressure's big on this one. We see it. Rebecca's high strung. Ted, not so much. All the coaches are. They've got extra pressure with Zava. They're on a crazy run, but West Ham is still ahead of them. I mean, the the layers that goes into this one specifically, right? Like, I bet they weren't even like this against Manchester United. Manchester United, one of the best teams, the biggest, biggest in the world. But West Ham is personal, and they are feeling the heat. So um, we'll have to figure it out. Do they outthink him? Do they end up fumbling over themselves? A lot of arguing. They try to just figure it out. Um, but Ted, Ted's like, all right, guys, you know, yeah, enough of the game. Yada, yada. Am I a mess? <laughs> and enter said um, the, why am I blanking? What do they call their, their wow. the, the dog pound? The diamond. <laughs> the, the diamond, diamond dogs. Pound? The dog pound? <laughs> well, wow. You know, it's like, the, it could have called the office the dog pound. First time watching the show, huh? It's a really good show, Brandon. You should really. It's a good jumping in point. You really, you know, <laughs> Look, you know all the backstory. There's underdogs. There's you. dog pound. There's there's diamond dogs, and but it's just not the same without Nate. To be fair, there's dog bakery. Who's gonna jump washes. on the cabinet and sit there? Can I quickly say this was the most elaborate entrance into the uh, into the diamond dogs that we've seen? It was quite the display of barks and uh, and turns and whistles. Well done, poor Roy. I thought I thought he might play ball. Yeah, I thought so too. I was kind of surprised he ducked out, but you know, that is Roy. Uh, you know, so Ted asked the question, Beard says, yeah, you're a mess because Beard doesn't fuck around. He doesn't lie to Ted. We know that. Ted says, okay, expound. And Beard says, we're playing Nate this week and you're acting like it's not a big deal. Nothing's different. He didn't hurt you. Ted said, hey, we're not looking or we're not talking about Nate right now. I'm asking if you think I'm a mess. All right. Higgy Pie, what do you think? Higgins, I don't understand how you're not pissed off with Nate. And then Beard, because his relationship with Jane is so fucked up, it is just incredible, says, we have this saying in Codependence Anonymous, Jane makes me go with her, pain is like carbon monoxide. It's expressing it to the person who hurt you is like opening a vent, but holding it in will poison you. Uh, Ted says, I like that, but Nate didn't hurt me. And Roy says what Roy says, bullshit. Ted is hurt, Dan. He just won't admit it. He won't let anybody in. I don't understand it. Yeah. He's not sharing any of his hurt. He's not sharing his hurt about his relationship. He's not sharing his hurt about the situation with the team. You know, he might have been a little hurt in the way that Zava didn't buy in to the ideology of how his team is set up, even though they are winning. So there's a lot of unspoken truths that need to find their way out of his mouth, out of his mind, out of his mouth, and into other people's ears. Got right. him. Yeah. I again it's no, I'm not gonna get into it. But yeah, it's he Ted is who he is, you know. He handles things differently, definitely kills people the kindest and and you know the the boys are trying to get him angry and motivated. It's just it you know, I think especially with everything going on, you know, in his personal life with with that stuff, it's probably hard for him to really be hyper engaged in this because of how much it's weighing on him. We'll get in more of that later. Um, but I think that's where 
you know, he's struggling to really connect with what's going on for the for the soccer game. Uh, the uh, In the locker room, the team has Premier League Weekly on, on the TV, featuring the illustrious Rebecca Lowe and the actual moron, Jermaine Jones. I was quite disappointed to see that he was cast Jermaine, for this. Jermaine Janus, not Jermaine. Janus. Sorry, we like Jermaine Jones as Americans. Lock it in, man. You're killing us right now. Um, yeah, the former Jermaine, Spurs player, which is yeah. why it's uh, a bit of a lightning rod. He's he's also just like a knob. <laughs> he, he's not. He's. Uh, you need a, to explain what that means, Nick. Do a I? Dummy. Do I? Uh, yeah, he's he's like renowned as one of the worst pundits out there uh, by by most people, except for Spurs fans who love him because he's a pro Spurs kind of comment. They moved but. him off football coverage to radio to music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh he's he's pretty bad. But uh yeah, it's uh it's a it's kind of a funny scene because we get Rebecca Lowe picking West Ham. We get uh Jermaine Genius picking Richmond uh because of Zaba and Soro and Zaba and Jamie all try and get the team to focus less on what's being said about them, the poupe from episode one and focus more on the task at hand. And uh, I think a little subtle part of this, Dan, is that Colin makes a joke about uh, Genus being, quote-unquote, his guy while Trent looks on, I think, developing that story from the last episode in his head. So something to, to keep on track there. But it's uh, it's kind of an interesting moment because the team is kind of, I think, insulating themselves from the noise in a lot of ways. They try. Maybe they then... don't succeed. Isaac decides to tap the sign to give it the the little Rudy tap. And you know what happens? The sign splits into a, a bad omen. If you thought things were going to go the right way against West Ham for the Richmond team, you were sorely mistaken because it it fell in half. The team torn apart. They're confused. The sign was ripped. How? But no one, no one had an answer to it. Best scene in the whole episode. Isaac then tries to chop Jamie's arm off to see if he had superpowers. And Jamie looks at him and goes, well, what if you had? And he looks, he's like, oh, man, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's honestly, it's that stuff, it's right? So like, good. They thought I love it. he hitting it broke it in half. <laughs> so then he kind of just like, like, like chops Jamie. What'd you do that for? Well, I thought I could break things in half. Well, what if you did? I hadn't thought about that, bro. <laughs> so good. And again, My Jamie's favorite. character is just growing so much as well. Um, everything's just way more open-ended. Uh, so anyways, fun, fun scene there. But yeah, you know, it's kind of like that dun, dun, dun cut scene. And uh, we move to Nate returning to the Taste of Athens to pick up a lunch order. He meets the same host, Jade, and they continue to have a ridiculously awkward conversation until the manager comes out with Nate's order and gives him the food for free because now he's kind of famous. Nate doesn't look at himself like this and Jade clearly doesn't care who he is. Uh, Dan, just the, the back and forth between him and Jade, I mean, this could have been right out of season one, like, and had nothing else had happened. The line that she gets to where he tries to drop the hint that he's got a big, new, impressive job, that he's buying lunch for the staff, and she makes the comment that sounds silly, maybe you should quit your big, new, busy job, with deadpan type of look. He's so good. Oh, my yeah. God. And look, Nate's not even good enough 
to get the free alcohol treatment. Look, he gets the free food, whatever you want, no problem, but you gotta pay for the booze. Look, Nate does not seem like a big drinker, so you're not gonna extend a little extra effort? I don't get it. You know, you want him sitting in the window in your restaurant to bring in the supporters to know it's Nate's place. Yeah, you know, bad, bad, bad idea from the owner. Maybe really you bad. should quit your big new busy job. Is that is that foreshadowing, do we think? I mean, it wasn't until you said it. I don't know. Nick, Clearly. do you see foreshadowing wherever you go? Yeah, I do. There I see go. my own shadow frequently. How about you foreshadow How about this? You foreshadow this ad break. We're taking an ad break. When we get back, uh, going right to Richmond and see what Shandy is up to. Thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. Okay, Richmond, Shandy's leading the banter shoot. The players are doing some hilarious lines for the campaign, but the big moment is between her and Keeley. Uh, but can we just pause? So they blur the face. Pretty sure that's Danny Rojas. <laughs> yeah, the the only Mexican guy on the team. Long flowing th- hair. They yeah. made it real obvious. Oh, goalkeeper wearing a goalkeeper kit. <laughs> Wonder who that's. Like, oh, that's Van Dam. Also, the number is on the shorts. I don't know if you could tell. It's very good. Yeah. Again, um, really enjoyed it because it's taking a real world scenario, but then just making it lighthearted and fun. Uh, and again, Zoro's saying. I want short walks on the beach because, well, you know. Well, hey, it's pretty good. Yeah, Keely and Shandy have a good back and forth. Keely says, how's it going? Shandy, oh, my God, this is great. They're great. I just, I love being the boss. And Keely says, cheers to that. Foreshadowing. He's back. We already said this might happen. Already said this might happen. I, I think, yeah, I think there are negative motives at play here, Dan. Uh, it's clear that Shandy wants to kind of take the quick ride up the escalator to uh, to be the uh, the one in charge. And you know, she's sure acting like it. She was just an extra honest commercial with for goats, for baby goats. Like two episodes ago. <laughs> but this is the issue we're seeing in the fact that it's an assertiveness element right we've mm-hmm. seen where keely has done extremely well in this show when she's been able to assert herself or her ideas and now there's someone who is more comfortable doing that and it's causing the friction of working with a friend and not wanting to hold that friend back who is enjoying themselves who's getting into the moment who's excited again and you're not trying to necessarily put out their flame but you also need to let your flame grow too well it's interesting because i was uh, as i was writing this one healy's flame has been pretty low all season she's not been herself like it's none of that trademark wit none of that fiery intensity none of the jokes like it's she's been kind of a shell of herself and you know in in this world i think dan makes a good point brandon that you know, the the person who speaks loudest is often considered in control. And that right now is Shandy. So she has to kind of figure it out. Mm, yeah. Um, I I would say like in the conversation about Jamie, I was a little surprised it took her, took them that many back and forth to, for her just to be like, well, I, I just want to shag him. You're like, I, I just assumed that was coming out earlier, but hey, they got there in the end, right? <laughs> she yeah. got to it. Uh, but, you know, you know, Keely just peeling the onion a little bit. Uh, the next scene, though, we get something that we've waited to uncover for some time. Nate hilariously struggling to rip 
the believe sound. We get to see the film, right? The security footage uh, that uh, Trent got sleuthed his way to the security guard. They uh, pulled the footage because this was at this point, what, five months ago? Like yeah. the end of last season to a couple months into this season, five, six months ago. Um, so they definitely had to go back and, and find out. Um, uh, but anyways, that's exactly what we see Beard and Roy uh, they had to show Ted to get him and the team fired up. But Ted, Ted's in a moral dilemma with this, unfortunately, Dan. And again, um, the 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 narrative here, the back and forth is um, it's eye opening, I think I'd say. Um, not what we probably expected to be happening. Well, you get the whole thought about, I mean, Roy obviously praising Trent, which their their relationship has blossomed very much to call him a, a fucking legend from where we were in the last episode where they were just agreeing to terms that they were maybe a young and misguided in both of their early attempts to assert themselves in their careers. But uh, like Trent, you could take the boy out of journalism, but you can't take <laughs> journalism out of the boy. <laughs> um, Roy, right. You then, fucking ruined it now. That was so good. It was perfect. But the, the yeah, this is this is a little bit of a poison chalice here. You know, you can use this to some effect to motivate a response, to elicit that anger that you're looking for, but you don't know what the end outcome is going to be. You're just lighting a fuse in a random box of fireworks, and you don't know necessarily what's going to happen with the show. It, it, it screams desperation, right? Like that the team who's on a winning streak, who's been really good this year, has exceeded expectations, would need to be extra motivated by something that happened that long ago. And I don't know. I think it, it kind of, this, this is the part of the episode that kind of took me off guard a little bit where I, you know, I, I think it might be my least favorite episode in season three so far. It's like Ted's already said multiple times in previous episodes, he has a million of these signs. So why didn't we just put up a new sign and, and forget about this? I don't, it, I don't think we needed this to accent the, the Ted and Nate, issues that were happening personally but that's just me yeah I, I it's i think you know i always like to say oh what would i do in these situations and things like that and i think i'd be with the coaches for sure i think i would be you know that's your bulletin board material flash it but again ted's ted's just never done that right and this kind of goes back to to the first episode right when when rebecca was pushing him in the press conference and he just wouldn't do it and she's like, I want you to do it. Get angry. I want that, Ted. And the reporters just teed him up, an absolute softball, and he didn't. And um, he just he just doesn't do it again, doesn't feel feel like it's the right play. Nate's been out there talking shit about him in the press. Like, the players would have already known this and been fired up, though, right? Like, True. I, you know, I, that's what I was kind of just wishy-washy over, frankly, but that's okay. All right, uh, next up, we flash over to West Ham where Nate is doing his normal all-consuming pre-match prep before Rupert comes in. Nate is not his cocky self. He doesn't know how to approach Ted. Rupert becomes concerned. He realizes what's going on. Nate is starting to shrivel or back down, so he pumps him up because he's desperate to beat Rebecca. Uh, Nate goes, I just haven't seen Ted since I left, and uh, we didn't leave on the best of terms, and I feel like I owe him an apology or something. Rupert, sirens are going off. Red flags, mm -hmm. absolutely not. He, so he tells him, you did what was best for you. What were you meant to do? Hang around supporting Ted for the rest of your life? I don't think so. You've done nothing wrong, Nathan. I promise you, you earned this job. 
Nate says, well, so what do I say when I see him? Rupert laughs. You say nothing apart from hello. You look him in the eye, you shake his hand, and then you beat him. Yeah, this is the, uh, Dan, I think the beginning of the turn. Nate's clearly conflicted about everything. And the more, the closer it gets to the confrontation, the more angst he feels. It's also proof that Rupert, his charisma that we've been warned about throughout the series is very much on full charm offensive because he knows exactly what he needs to say to Nate to get the trick out of him because I don't, I think we're going to get deeper into the season and that line about you earn this job is going to come back once again. And the truth will be that it was about sticking it to Rebecca and to Ted and he didn't actually earn it, even though he is comfortable of doing it, that there were other people that potentially could have been hired before. hundred percent. And I think that Rupert, like when you say the alarm bells, Brandon, I think this is a huge moment, right? He has to get him psyched back up. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you see him kind of cracking and that's, I think part of the reason he's, he's asked him to call him Mr. Mannion again in private is because he sees weakness and he doesn't respond to weakness. Yep. Uh, they got him in the car, boosts his ego, right? All surface level things, materialistic possessions, the office, stuff like that. It is purely to to build an ego that Nate does not have. He's got the tactic side. He's smart. We saw it in the game. Um, but the, the personality, the bravado is not his thing. Um, so back to the office. Uh, it's late in the office. Uh, Beard checks in on Ted. Ted's not ready to go home yet. Um, you know, talking about getting ready for the big, big game. And uh, Beard offers if, you know, maybe Ted wants to go out with him and Jane and Jane's sister. Immediately, no. Immediately, no, 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 no. no. I've seen <laughs> Beard, I, Beard didn't fight it for even half a second, did he? <laughs> no, that's the right call. <laughs> yeah. He asked knowing I have to out of my obligated duty, but please do not say yes. Um, but yeah, so Beard's looking for answers late at night in his office. Michelle sent him a text with the headlines from their hometown paper about the upcoming match. He's fuming inside. Rebecca sees him and they start what could be a very meaningful dialogue, Nick, but it, um, it doesn't it doesn't end up going full circle like I thought it would. What did you think was going to happen? I, th- I thought they were going to have, I thought he was going to open up. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe. That circle. Yeah. I, so Rebecca asks him if he's okay. Ted says, am I a mess? So he's continuing this line of questioning, even with his boss. Rebecca, with a perfect response, of course you are. That's why we get along. Uh, I wish I could tell you to ignore Sass, but she's usually right. So is everything all right? Ted says, yeah, I'm good. Rebecca, with the callback to season one, Oklahoma, completely catches him off guard. And he's like a little stunned. And then Ted says, I'm a work in prog mess. And then, you know, says goodnight. Ted Ted hits her with the, you already won. You got that turkey out of your life. And she looks back at him very directly, Dan. Beat them. So now we've seen Rupert to his charge and Rebecca to her charge. They are desperate to beat each other. Yeah. Yeah. No love lost. No love lost between the the players or the clubs. No. I mean, it's the beginning. It re- it really is the beginning. Um, the the Ted Becca. It's 
th- th- there's that sticking. Am I going to see that, it on Twitter? That's that's what the tweets are calling it. The the Ted Becca love story. Yeah, I I think this could be a sign. Like the the way that they were looking at each other in this scene, I think it could be a sign that there's something. Might I remind you that deeper. the the um the fortune teller, whatever you want to call him, tarot card reader, said that kids were in her future. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's match day, ladies and gentlemen, along with some pretty <laughs> badass walk-up music. Shouts to Rebirth of Slick by Digital Planets. Ted is on a mission to find Nate. <laughs> Finds himself in a crowded elevator. Oh, and I had no idea he was there. Was so good. Uh, everybody gets out. Oh, I got one more floor. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Oh, hey, Nate. Cowering in the corner. Absolute Nate play right here. Uh, they begin to chat, uh, and they're ba- he's about to say it. Nate was about to do it. Doors open, and there's Rupert to interrupt. After a very uncomfortable moment, we can see that Nate wants to apologize. He was right there. He feels awful, but he doesn't want to look weak in front of Rupert. Yeah, I mean, there there were many moments in this episode. Also, you could have just called him at some point in the last six months, right? I mean... A text, the FaceTime. Perhaps, yeah. So, a little apology over a pint. No better opportunity than the present, gentlemen. Well, it didn't go off. Uh, so, the anticipation continues to build again. Three word episode review fight or flight, gentlemen. It repeats itself. Meanwhile, Keely is literally bricking it before she meets her new boss. Rebecca tries to reassure her before uncomfortably running into Rupert and Bex. It's going to be okay, Keely. You got this. But while in the toilet, Keely's in need of assistance and a stranger in some pretty cool shoes comes to her aid from the stall next door. We knew this was going to be somebody. Come on. A person of interest. Yes. This, this, was, this was a person of interest. And it ended up being her new boss. Well, Jack. Is that... And then, you know, Higgins fucking steals it. Absolutely steals it all. Higgins tells... The most ridiculous riddle, and then tries to pivot and goes, so I assume Jack is short for Jacqueline, right? No, it's short for my father wanted a boy, and the mood completely dies. Amazing. KO. <laughs> He's absolutely KO'd. He's, out cold. <laughs> out cold. Call the fight. And that was the moment that Higgins' soul left his body. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I think Jack had a pretty sneaky line, which is, I think you have something of mine, which is, uh, that was pretty hilarious. That was really well done. It was good that she realized it too so there was an understanding in the show what an incredible thing it's great yeah no so so good so uh rebecca lets jack know you cannot drink in the seat so if we're gonna get drunk we need to do it here now uh and so they uh they get going and uh barbara is well still kissing rebecca's ass at the pub uh we see a very common sight a west ham united fan coming in to a Richmond pub. Uh, the rule, Nick, is home fans only. Yeah, typically that is the uh, the rule. And why is that the rule, Dan? Because you don't want to fight. Correct. Fights are bad. It's pretty. It's a pretty clear rule. <laughs> there, there are typically pubs that are designated as away supporter pubs at most Premier League, most Championship, most grounds have a indication of hey, if you are not a supporter of the home team. This is a place to go that you can enjoy a beverage safely. Now, Nick and I will share stories of having gone to Leeds um, on a train ride north from London to watch Chelsea play our team. 
And uh, we did not, in fact, go to one of the one or two or three of the pubs that were on the list of approved places to go. Um, but we also made sure to not wear any colors or affiliate ourselves uh, with being a Chelsea supporter, which is the smart way to to enjoy it. But they uh, the, the people at the blue smoke flare definitely were really trying to blow up our spot at the very end. Of the <laughs> yes, day. they were. Yeah, it's a good way to uh, to not get beat up. So. Uh, it's a very good rule. Although I thought it was interesting that Baz looked a little, little put off at the end, a little, little, little sad. You, you know, it's it's odd because he's such a Richmond guy that he would have a West. Ham, I don't know. It's just a little weird. But hey, can't choose your can't choose your friends. All you know what teams they support. That's what keeps it fun. But yeah, he tried to bring him in. Well, you can choose your friends. You can't choose your club. Can't choose the teams that your friends support. Is what I'm saying. So, um, yeah. So he gets booted. And uh, that's the right call. I remember when we were just at the Chelsea game right outside the stadium. You actually had to show them your ticket to yes. get in to really prove. Uh, that's how just kind of intense it can get over there. Uh, but it de-escalates everything. So, And at the end of the day, you just want everyone to have a good day out. And that's how they have it figured out. Um, we see both coaches giving pre-match pep talks in distinctly different fashion. Nate Slockroom is tidy in order. He's the general. Ted is giving camp counselor around the campfire vibes. But before the match kicks off, Ted and Nate finally shake hands. Nate spurs him quickly and Beardroy look pissed at Ted. He's not taking this seriously enough, nor has he allowed himself to be angry with Nate. And sometimes as a leader, you got to you gotta fire everybody up. You got to set the tone, set the expectations. And I think that's what Beard and Roy are most upset about. He's, he's trying to kill him with kindness still. And you can't like Nate's not going to be susceptible to that. Um, at least not on, on the outside. He, he might on the inside, he might have some feels, but that's not what Roy and beard needed from Ted in that moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, the match though, it's even for much of the first half, right at the very end, an error leads to the first West Ham goal. Uh, and then Nate sneaky, Nate, he's got something up his sleeve. Calls essentially a tactics change off the kickoff. Uh, they do a super high press, uh, end up getting the ball in right next to Richmond's goal, and they get their second. And Beard and they can't even know what happened. They're like, "How? How did? How did they get a second this close to halftime?" And it's an absolute, as Dan would put it, hammer blow (pun intended). And Nate is gloating. Yeah, he's he's beaten them twice now, right? Two goals in the first half. He's really pleased with himself, uh, Dan, and uh, frankly, he's he's put in the work, and maybe Richmond have it. He's earned the right to be happy with the performance of his team, and Ted Lasso has not. Yeah, for sure. So halftime, a little bit weird. Um, Rebecca little bit. Rebecca pulls Ted back, uh, and even like Ted, he doesn't really have an answer for Beard and Roy. He he, he says, "Surprise me." You know, usually at least he has like a, hey, keep calm, carry on type of vibe, even when you shouldn't. But like he's consistent and now all of a sudden he's not. He's he's giving them different feels and di and just not any help whatsoever. Uh, Rebecca's clearly losing it and tries to inspire Ted. She's doing to him what she does to everyone else. And it it rattles him. And he's and I don't think he gets it like it, the message and he doesn't read it very well. So then Ted walks into the locker room and sees that Beard and Roy have shown the team the Nate video about the sign and the team are 
furious. The assistants have taken it into their own handstand, and the back and forth is electric. We've seen examples of games where a team goes down, they're struggling, they walk in, they heads down into the locker room. They need something to get them going again. Halftime talks are a institution. There are some managers who are known for giving legendary halftime talks that can rally a team, wake them out of slumber, get them to come back into the second half and take over a game. Uh, I will argue, though, that being down 2-0, uh, the odds are vastly against you and being able to come back from that result uh, to draw or win. So, uh, you know, that's just a little bit yeah. of element there. So, like, really, you wouldn't be trying to win in this scenario. You'd be trying to draw and, and to, you know, stop the bleeding. But you get the comment from Roy... Look at them now. They're killers. And, you know, Ted gets what... Uh, Ted left his hand off the wheel. He let the kids drive. This Beard, is what you get. Beard hit him, too. Like, this is where I think there's a fracture amongst our group and what they're going to need to reconcile. Frankly, Ted, sometimes that's good. And it was said in not a cool way, right? This is a a coaching staff that has different ideas about how to beat... Nate, they're all upset with him and they're doing different things to try and win. And it's not a cohesive plan. So, so disappointing. Um, obviously, though, in response to the team, they come out, come out of the locker room glaring at Nate, absolutely fired up. They're going to play angry, which leads to some pretty serious consequences. Arlo White says, and now Van Dam has been sent off. Jeremy, back in the pub, we're playing like Italians. Baz, <laughs> I know it's awesome. Now, this is some soccer IQ here. Yes, definitely. Italians have some history. They've got a reputation. And it's just really funny to see them do this uh, and take it this way. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, was. Was This was a deep cut for the, uh, for the footy fans out there because uh, anyone who's watched Italian football knows that there can be some uh, uh, handbags, as they say, in games and some unnecessary red cards and some moments where... Perhaps you see the red mist and it goes overboard. So uh, very uh, clever uh, all out there. Yeah. Italians are known to be passionate people on the pitch. So three red cards later, I think they're one away from having to forfeit. They're down to eight men versus 11. A bunch of overly physical play. Players just out of character, acting rash. Richmond lose 4-1. Nate's Burns Ted's handshake, bursts onto the field, fists in the air, celebrating. Zava doesn't trade shirts with Armando. Uh, Zava is not happy with his teammates. He feels like they let him down. Um, and Arlo breaks it down, uh, the commentator saying, one extraordinary goal by Zava did not make it any less tough to watch. Richmond showed a side of themselves we've never seen before. They played angry, dirty, and ugly. And Chris follows up says, which are also the names of Zava's three youngest kids. <laughs> and why is that, Nick? Because he lets them name themselves after age seven. That's why. And there is a trivia question later on that points out one other fact. Love it. Uh, unfortunately, Rebecca is beside herself. She leaves a stance to cry, maybe. She's incredibly upset, but before she can get there, she sees Rupert messing around with his secretary. It gives her flashbacks. She sees Rupert outside of the stadium and lets him know to stop fucking around. She finally has the upper hand for once. How the tables have turned, Dan. It's a shitty reason to have the upper hand, though. 
He he played his his hand of deck his hand of cards. Yeah, it's just you know you actually can see though where Rebecca has the empathy in that moment for young Rebecca or Bex in terms of the knowing now something that people knew about her and how she uses that information in the future is going to be interesting. You know, if Rupert was uh, a more noble man, he probably would, uh, A, have not done it in the first place, but B, uh, probably would make telling Bex the first thing that he did in just they got into the car or in that same day. But that likely is not going to happen until the issue gets forced later in the season. We we did get a fun question uh, from Adam Riv 7 saying, will Rebecca expose Rupert's affair, meaning he'll lose the club to new Bex in the divorce settlement? Wouldn't that be a storyline for the ages just to lose just two, the worst for him just to lose two football clubs to to ex-partners that is uh that would be absolutely hilarious adam i hope that happens as she gets into her badass uh you know private driver car too you know it's like oh, yeah. all right back in the locker room ted with an i told you so look on his face as he approaches roy and beer they feel so guilty for using anger as a motivator it's not Richmond. This is a coachable moment for Ted. Roy, we fucked up. Beard, we overreacted and played with hate. Roy, be great if you yelled at us a bit. Beard, please. Roy, call us pieces of shit or something. Beard, now. Roy, you can hit us. Beard, get it over with. Just, <laughs> just the back and forth between them. <laughs> exactly, right. And Ted just standing there letting it happen. And then finally, like, he 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 pulls the Ted. Yeah. He said you tried something new. Didn't work. Big whoop. Uh, he will take the thumb drive, though, which is fascinating. wonder what he's going to do with that. Uh, he says, shake it off, fellas. A lot of football left this season. And, of course, Dan, the line that we knew was coming from Roy was? What a fucking asshole. <laughs> hey, you're getting better at your Roy. That's good. That was a little more growly. That's nice. I can't, nobody can do it as naturally on this show as you. That's, so we really, you true. know. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 uh, ceiling is your floor. <laughs> <laughs> so after the match, the managers are required to do uh, some media. They always give interviews. Uh, so at the press conference, uh, Nate is just smug as smug gets. Absolutely loving every second of this, beating his mentor. But then he gets called a snob for not shaking Ted's hand and realizes yeah, it was kind of a dick move. He uh, gets a little bit upset and he tries to go talk to Ted, but he's interrupted by Rupert's assistant inviting him to this ultra exclusive club. See you in an hour. Bones in honey, by the way, uh, for a post match celebration. And when he turns back, they are gone. So he's missed another opportunity to make it right and do what he feels is right. You pick up the phone anytime, you know. <laughs> Uh, any, uh, any he's, he's using an Android device now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, Ted, Ted rejects green bubbles. Really gone to the dark side. Uh, then we see Keely and Jack enjoying a post-match drink. Jack is very clearly interested in chatting with her before being interrupted by Shandy, who has taken initiative in a terrible way. She changed the tagline of banter to "Wanna bang a celebrity." <laughs> that changes the premise a little bit. Uh, Keely yeah. tries to reason with Shandy, but all Jack sees is weakness and she leaves. And he felt bad for Keely in this moment. And I thought she would maybe lose her shit and she didn't. Uh, so we're kind of doubling down on this. 
this this could this was, be a this was not the the rebranding to like a Raya type of experience that people should have been expecting. No, this is uh this could be a career altering mistake, right? Banter is the main client that they have or, or we're led to believe. And that is probably not going to go over well with uh with the folks at uh at Banter. So mm-hmm. I, I I think there's gonna be some uh really, really deep uh shit that they're in next episode for that oh 100 percent uh then we get a little peek at bones and honey where rupert makes nate feel like a king he's in- introduced to a model as perks of the job which again is nothing he would have ever expected from him. classic rupert classic old school you know just hey you he knows how to thing. manipulate people Here's which is woman yeah. yeah guaranteed how he got to the level he was manipulating yeah. people and Nate is the easiest person to manipulate. His level is so low. Um, Jamie's ready for Roy's pre-dinner training. He wants to get better. But we head to Ted's place. And he's just so upset. He's not about the match. He's upset with Michelle, and it's eating him alive. He's going through the text with Dr. Jacob. And like clockwork, appointment at 10, appointment at 10, appointment at 10. And he finally calls her and tells her how he feels. And it takes the weight of the world off his shoulders. Is he going to turn a corner and confront the people that have wronged him? We'll see. Only thing that I was like, eh, what's the time difference here? Like, I think they fudged it on that one, but I'm okay with it. But then I realized I'm actually wrong because they're six hours ahead. And I was thinking it was us Mm -hmm. and them. This is how twisted up I get in the show, guys. That's all I'm saying. There's just so much going on. I don't even know which side is up. Especially when this one, Nick, because the feels, you saw it coming and you're like, is he going to do it, right? This has been coming for at least three episodes here, maybe in the last season even. He didn't even tell her to fuck off. Like I expected there to be a little more than this, Dan, but this was a lot for Ted uh, to to say out loud. Yeah, I I thought it was less, less angry than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Though sometimes when someone hits you with the, you're expecting the gut punch and you don't get that, you get something a little lighter, like the disappointed, the still love you type of thing can uh, potentially hurt a lot more. And I think we kind of get that in Michelle's visual comportment at the end. And she does not look to be uh, in in much control in that moment after uh, after reflecting upon it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, he, he, he stutters through it, right? He goes, I know that you and I aren't, you know, together anymore. And I respect that. Okay. I do. But well, I just, this whole thing with you and Dr. Jacob really ticks me off. Strong words from Lasso, right? Take it from him. He just says, I'm upset. We didn't ever really get to talk about it before it all started. Cause we got to raise this little boy together. You know, we're stuck with each other. We're going to share grandkids. That'll hit you in the feels that, yeah. that I, for her, Obviously, she never thought about it like that, you know? Good, good play on his part. She says, I love you, Michelle, and I love Henry, and I love our family no matter what it looks like. Holy emotional gut punch. Yeah, it was a, it was not a right hook. It was a, it was a jab right to the old sternum there. And, you know, we, we finally get her looking a, a tad remorseful, but... I'm curious to understand how that impacts the whole family moving forward. Right. Because I mean, he's, 
4,000 some odd miles away, right? Like we, we know that he's not going to be a, a daily part of their existence unless he moves home. And so I, I don't know, Dan, trying to think through like what the ramifications could be here, but it's, uh, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it feels like Dr. Jacob is probably not long for this world in terms of a uh, partner due to the guilt factor. Um, even if the only messages he ever sent to Ted were the auto-generated ones from ZocDoc or whatever platform he was using for appointment management. Yeah, I'm, I think it's to be really interesting. I think we'll see more of Michelle, uh, maybe not like right away. I'm going to say like one to two episodes, we'll probably get some more of that conversation uh, filtering back in. It, it it was nice to see him feel a little bit of relief, though. Like he he faced it up. He just straight up faced it up for the first time since probably they were divorced and just said like, hey, man, this sucks. This was shitty, you know, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's a turning point for him. We'll see. He will. Because there's another episode coming. But before we wrap this one up, uh, this episode was dedicated dedicated to the late and great Grant Wall. Uh, he's one of the best sports writers that America's ever seen. Focused a lot on soccer, especially when soccer wasn't that popular in the United States. Um, and so he really grew his career as the sport grew here. Um, and uh, we recently lost him uh, at the time of recording during the uh, the World Cup in, in Qatar. So... Uh, in this one, Ted Lasso's co-creator, Brandon Hunt, said he and the showrunners felt obligated to carry on the train of salutes to his memory during the new season, and he was carrying his um, a copy of Grant's book uh, when um, right before he asked him if he wanted to go on the date with Jane's sister. Yeah, the Beckham experiment. Um, Hunt said that the writer's room actually reached out to Grant Wall to talk about the book and help, uh, you know, um, understand what it was like for him to write it and get embedded with a team uh makes sense now that we get the 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 trent storyline right um with the new star superstar on the roster so when beckham went to la grant was basically embedded with la when this cultural revolution happened in mls and so that's what they're modeling the the trent Krim storyline off of which is great and his quote was Grant Wall came back with paragraphs and paragraphs of answers within two days. He was incredibly generous with his experiences. It was a really, really great uh, experience, pretty helpful for us. We have a little nod to him coming up in the next episode. This was uh, when he was still with us. We did not know what was going to come to pass. And they appeared on his podcast. You know, Jason and, and Brendan appeared on the podcast. And uh, Wall eventually wrote a really great substack where he said the show brought a lightness that I didn't realize how much I Aided. it was a little like it was a little like the effect of the show it uh, had its on on society during the pandemic and it, it had that effect on me and and so it, very very cool of this show to do this for grant wall this is someone that we talked about on our other podcast when he passed away so many tributes he was truly the best soccer writer that we've ever seen in the united states and uh long may his memory uh reign Again, this is all done before he passed it was away. A gut punch so at the end of the episode, yeah. Now it's like even deeper. It just resonates even more, Dan, um, because he isn't here anymore, and it was so recent afterwards. But um, I actually find hearing that connection of Grant to Trent in this in this instance I actually find it more interesting now versus just oh another journalist around the corner to like mop up stories. Yeah, it the in memoriam at the end was. 
I well, I had not. I tried with Lasso to enter in very unexposed to anything that might be out there Same. to an episode, and so I was not aware that was going to happen. And yeah, I definitely had like a uh, you know quiet moment on the couch afterwards to just process it because uh, you know something like Ted Lasso doesn't happen as a show if not for Grant Wall no. existing. And like we are a greater multiverse, <laughs> like because we had Grant Wall as a soccer journalist doing what he did in ours. So while there are plenty of shitty things about ours, that is one awesome one about it. Rest in peace, Grant Wall. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our final ad break. When we get back, don't worry. We got the main theme and the Crown and Anchor Pub trivia. Thank you to sponsors, and we'll be right back. Okay. Main theme, bless this mess. This episode is, well, a mess. Ted is a mess. Rebecca is a mess. Roy Beard, the whole team are a mess. Nate is a mess. Rupert's a mess, but he doesn't care. Keely's definitely a mess, really does care. So there are little attempts to turn things around this week but Ted is the only one to confront his mess in a proper way. He called Michelle. He confronted the issue. He does the hard thing. Will he begin to turn the corner and return to his normal self by confronting other people that have hurt him? Again, pain is like carbon monoxide. Expressing it to the person who hurt you is like opening a vent, but holding it in will poison you. Yeah. I mean, this is the way, as they say in the Mandalorian, it is a, uh, it's a really important thing. And you can tell many of our characters have not been themselves or the, or the themselves that we've gotten to know when they were at the peak of their powers, Dan. And I think there's going to be a lot more of confronting what ails you in future episodes to get us back to a place where we feel like we know these guys again. The self-discovery is occurring, but as we learned last season with Dr. Sharon, that that is a process. It is also not linear. And so they are going to be people who are further ahead in their process. Like you feel one one Jamie might be getting mm. to his height sooner rather than later. We didn't even talk about the fact that, you know, there was a lot of realization from Keely in this episode that he had had some major self-discovery mm-hmm. and others are not as far along. Yeah, the truth, so maybe they'll catch the up. truth will set you free. But first, it will piss you off. Dr. Sharon. All right. Well, Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. Weird questions and observations from one Nick Verlaney, sir. What did you cook up this time? A lot of good stuff in here. A lot of uh, sneaky stuff, but uh, I'll, I'll throw a couple at you. Some are hard, some are easy. The first one's easy. What is Ted's Uber rating? Son of a bitch. It's an unbelievable Uber rating. Uh, question number two. What does Beard sneakily leave for Ted in his office after... Uh, after they're kind of gone for the night and Ted's still there kind of processing stuff. It's a very small item. Uh, number three, you probably caught this in passing, but if you didn't, this will be hard. Which actor does Trent think will play him in a film about his life? It's a great one. Uh, number four, what is Zaba's eldest child known as? Picked his own name. So it's really important to, to call Does that it out. Stick or like, is it, you know, when he wants to change it, he can change it. Cause Zava was like, look, don't who limit knows? yourself. Who knows the rules of Zava? They change by the minute. Uh, and number five, one near and dear to our hearts at which publication did Grant Wall start his journalistic career? So hit us up. We're going to put the, we'll put one of these in the, uh, 
uh, in the Spotify uh, episode, and then we'll also drop them on social as well. All right, winner, winner, football dinner. Who won the episode? Really surprised here, Nick, that uh, you went with a little Darth Vader action when um, you just had so much high praise for for Ted. Yeah, I, I think because of the way that everything panned out on the field, I think the edge goes to Nate and Rupert this time, but I will give the overall edge to Nate. Um, and I give the edge to Nate, Dan, because I think there was a moment of realization in there, whereas Rupert continued to go and actually ends up losing ground because he continues to go down the same path. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think from a winning of the totality of the episode, not just the match, I probably would go with Ted, mainly because there was a a willingness to let others try to drive the bus, a ability to have used the tape. He did not use the tape to try to motivate, right? Like he had the box in front of him to do the bad thing with, and he passed on doing that because he knew it wasn't the right thing to do. So he was teaching people this episode he was having self-discovery revelations about himself i don't know i think i think even in a loss ted comes out the bigger winner in this episode that means hmm. we have a a tie break again our our judge would you like to o- order in the court <laughs> yeah i'll rise look i think um ted loses points um for not managing his people uh, Nate, Nate obviously got an assist from Rupert, but he won. He won before the match. He won during the match. He won after the match. I mean, winning four one, having it collapse as bad as it did. Uh, I don't think he won in like being a good person points, but any, any one of us in his situation would be like, absolutely on cloud nine. Adios. I'm leaving with this supermodel. I, I think. Well, Ted did not win for me. Ted just set up a maybe a run that he's going to go on here in future yeah. episodes. Uh, we've seen this happen before. And again, it's like all you're looking for with Ted is just one little moment. And that can there could be a, a big run of, of winners. Well, look, there's there's eight episodes remaining in the season. Maybe the series. Who knows? Ted hasn't won a single one. And so he needs at minimum to pull off a run of two to get ground on anybody here. One to one to tie up and then two to take a lead. Also notice that when Ted's not at his best, nobody else is on his side. Nope. That is true. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. Like you, you look at the, the winners so far this season, it's Rebecca, Rupert, Nate, and Zava. These are not... These are, I guess, in in a penultimate story or an ultimate story about uh, Ted Lasso. We're not getting Ted at his best yet. Again, I think he's turning the corner, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Again, please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media. Continue the conversation. Let us know how you did on the Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. And also, we would love it if you rated us five stars in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really does help other people find us. And if you enjoyed it, I'm sure other lasso heads will as well. So uh, until the next, or I guess we will be back with the next episode. Episode five. Are we doing all right? Waiting a week. It's okay. Pace yourselves. I like, I like the break. If I were to binge this season, my head would explode. So I'm, I'm very, I'm grateful for a little bit of time to decompress. 
There's a lot to unpack in these and go watch again. So uh, continue the journey. We'll be back with episode five. Until then, take care.